This is Lego Football. You're with David Farini. I'll take you through the match day five breakdown with those colossal games on Saturday. David Winter joins from the Serie A World Feed commentary team. The guys from Cultural Connection are featured and one of the league's iconic coaches has been sacked. And as usual, guys, thanks for your continued support for Lego Football and the podcast. We're now all over the internet, apart from Instagram. Slowly getting there, guys, but uh, rate, review, give us some feedback, whatever you can. Tell your nonna, your zio, whoever's there. Let's go straight into that Milan derby. We saw the 233rd meet between Milan and Inter across all competitions. 113 years this battle's been raging. A statement win for Stefano Pioli in the end, while the Madonnina herself is now wearing red and black. The Nerazzurri are still ahead on the ledger with 85 wins to 79 and 69 draws to complete the picture. In Serie A, the two teams have met 176 times now with the Inter leading 67. Inter would have liked a 3-3 draw. They didn't get it in the end. They did come back into this match. They led it 1-0. Then they conceded three. Then Edin Dzeko got one late on. But this is following that 2-1 victory last February. That was a comeback win, courtesy of the brace from Olivier Giroud. Milan have now won two consecutive derbies for the first time since 2011. That was the 100th appearance in Serie A for Sandro Tonali, the 150th for Rade Krunic. Until this match, Inter was the team that Rafa Leao had faced the most in Serie A without scoring. It was also his 100th appearance. What a game he's had, proving to be of that 100 million euro caliber price tag, no doubt. As I've said before in this pod, among the players born in 1999, Liao is the player that has created the most assists. 17 now in the Italian top flight. He's just going from strength to strength. Rossoneri fans must be ecstatic with the way he's going. Two goals and an assist on the big stage. Another goal for Giroud, Brozovic and Dzeko for Inter. Edin Dzeko has now scored six goals against Milan in Serie A. Five with Roma. Of those four were scored at the Miata, in fact. And now he's got another one there. Uh, that was including the brace, those stats, back in May of 2017. And the Bosnian now has another one to his name. Following that goal, Dzeko has broken his scoring drought. He went 10 games in Serie A without hitting the back of the net. And previous to that, it was his second longest goalless streak in the competition after 15 consecutive games with Roma in 2021. Channel Oglu, well, he just seems to be on the wrong side of Milan every time. He was with Milan. Inter won the Scudetto, he switched over to Inter. Milan won the Scudetto, he just can't win. As for the coaches, prior to this match, Pioli and Inzaghi faced each other 11 times in Serie A with four wins apiece. Now Pioli leads that. He's won two consecutive Serie A games against Inter for the first time in his coaching career. So a milestone for the Milan mister. He now has seven wins in total against the Nerazzurri. Simone Inzaghi has only collected the one point in the three attempts he's had in the Milan derby as Inter coach. And he's now equal with Osvaldo Bagnoli in failing to win in his first three attempts. That record from 1993. The talk of the town is Rafael Leao at the moment. And just the fashion that he carved his way through that Inter defense. It is a world-class Inter backline. And he feel them, the drop of the shoulder, the shot into the corner. We've put up a few photos from a couple of fans associated with Lego football. Sam, thanks for sending those ones in. He was at the Derby and he's got some good video footage there and some photos. So make sure you jump on the Lego Twitter page. And heck, why not? We'll put those on Facebook as well. On match day six, Inter hosts Torino. 
and Milan travels to Sampdoria. Let's move on to Fiorentina and Juventus. After the 2-0 win last May in Florence, Fiorentina missed out on the chance to win two consecutive Serie A games against the old lady for the first time since the late 90s. Juventus now scoring for the 269th time against the Viola. That is their best record against any team. Dujan Vlaovic, well, he didn't start in this one. That was perhaps with a view to the Champions League midweek fixtures that are coming. Even though Juventus was the favourite, it was Mattia Perin who was the hero on the day. Perin intervening, especially off that strike from Amrabat towards the end and also saving from the Luka Jovic penalty. So perhaps two points dropped for Fiorentina. The goals coming from Arek Milik. He put Juventus 1-0 ahead in the ninth minute and Christian Kwame, what a return he's had to the Italian league. Fiorentina's equaliser coming after 29 minutes. Jovic missing that penalty. Di Maria back from injury. He started the game, as did Paredes, the new Juventus midfield signing. Vlaovic did not get any game time in this one. His return to Florence, perhaps a neutral decision from Allegri. Not to aggravate, cause any tension at the Artemio Franchi. It could be a simple case of Juventus looking ahead to the Champions League. They've got that game coming up against Paris Saint-Germain. In the next Serie A match, they'll host Salernitana. Before facing up to Bologna next weekend, Fiorentina have to face Latvian side FS Riga. Last Friday, I had a chat with the boys from Calcio Connection. That's Jerry Mancini and Alex Donno. Very nice guys, I must admit. For those of you who'd like to see that, it's up on YouTube and we'll actually throw a link in here. It's also on Apple and the, and the rest of the platforms. Jerry is an avid Lazio supporter. Alex is an Interista. So not a good weekend for those guys. But I had a little bit of a chat with Jerry, a session where I was able to perhaps taunt him a little bit. That was in regard to Napoli's record in the past few years against Lazio. Here's a little bit from that pod. So I could keep reading, but I don't want tears to flow on this podcast. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I guess I guess Jerry would hope that with, with so many Napoli legends having recently left the club, those were the guys who kept beating Lazio. So maybe maybe, maybe some you. of the newer players have forgotten. A Napoli side who has their number, but now doesn't have Insigne or Mertens. Those are the two players who have always killed Lazio. Jerry talking about Mertens and Insigne, the reason why Lazio have lost so often against the old Napoli. The guys even have some advice for clubs on where to pick up some bargain basement players. Mercato is officially closed now. We have most of the season still in front of us. If I'm a scout man, I go down to the I go down to France, catch a few games, and you can find a good player for ten million dollars because of, of the financial situations that a lot of those teams are in. Um, Lazio did it last year with Bordeaux. They bought Toma Basic and they got him for like $6 million. And then it went to how Lazio can potentially beat Napoli on the weekend on match day five. Napoli, who has overused Anguissa. And I like to see how does that play out in the midfield. It's the battle between Immobile and, and Kim and Jai. I, I like to see that. that mm. And he'll be really tested against an experienced Immobile. And I think that Kim and Jai is really going to step up because I thought that he's probably been Napoli's best player this season. Two big points that Jerry raised there. And we all saw how that went down. Kim and Jai doing the job. And Angiza, well, he's just got a petrol tank that keeps on going. Lazio is a completely different team right now when they're at the Stadio Olimpico. You saw it against Bologna when they were down a man and they showed resiliency to still go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. I thought they played very well against Inter at home. 
Sorry has had a way of getting players to go to another level. And those were all true facts. But I thought I'd raise this question. Quite a scaly his first game at the Olympico. So that'll mm. be interesting to see how he deals with the pressure. And we all saw who won the match. Quaradona with the winner. Also a ferocious hit onto the upright in the first half. I thought I'd introduce some statistics that were heavily in Napoli's favour just to cast some doubt in the mind of Jerry. Yeah, let me just reiterate, the Lazio coach has lost all of his last three league matches against his former side, Napoli, so... I I don't like our, our chances. I, I told Joseph yesterday on his pod, on the Forza Napoli pod, that I like a 2-2 tie here. Yes, there's nothing like a little bit of banter, a few mind games between fans. And for those of you who don't know, I'm a Napoli fan. So I also couldn't let Alex escape without casting some doubt in his mind as well. Let's talk about the Milan derby tomorrow. From an Inter point of view, uh, you know, the, the most challenging match they had was against Jerry's Lazio. Look, I could probably see Milan doing it. But, and, and you know, I'm not saying that to give you heart palpitations. Perhaps I was, perhaps I wasn't. But in the football business, we also have to keep some neutrality. Dzeko has a good record against Milan as well. He just, he's on a scoring drought and it's, I think the statistics show it's the second worst of his career, but he does like to score against Milan. And speaking of goals in the Milan derby, it was up to Rafa Liao in the absence of Rebic and Ibrahimovic to get the job done. If Rafa Liao can get a goal, he's never scored against Milan. So he's going to go out there with that ambition. We're going to see what he can do. He's rated at 100 million euros. Let's see. So dangerous. And he gives me those hard palpitations you were talking about every time he's coming up on that left flank. So I, I didn't even realize he hadn't he hadn't scored a goal in, in any of those fixtures yet. And once again, the beauty of the mind games between the fans. Love it. I think this is the only ever match day where a few of my predictions have come up trumps. We also discussed teams at the top that were punching above their weight. Yeah, for me, I think the least impressive is Roma, even though they're undefeated. But where we did find some common ground as Napoli, Inter and Lazio supporters was with Juventus. You know, to me, a Juve could finish. I don't think they've got what it takes to win the Scudetto. I might eat my words because they win so many, but they could finish even eighth. It, it depends on injuries and depends what happens in the next Mercato. I'm not saying they're going to finish eighth. So, you know, don't quote me on that. I don't want Juventus. <laughs> well, you, you've become though. a show favorite here by from, from two guys who don't love Juventus. Even even the possibility has made you a favorite of ours now. We'll leave on that note. Uh, I think it was it was great talking to you, great talking Alex. To you. I'm not sure if Jerry will talk to me again, but... <laughs> <laughs> Jerry's ready. Jerry's ready to weep. Obviously, these gentlemen here at Jay Mancini, Otto, at Alex Dono, you know where to find everyone. Wonderful chat with the guys from Cultural Connection, Jerry and Alex. Thanks for having me, guys. And once again, you can go and listen to that full pod. And we all know the results. Napoli coming away from the Olympico with a valuable 2-1 win. Napoli's actually extended their good record against Lazio. Now it's 54 wins for Napoli, 38 for the Bianco Celesti. And the last time they drew, that was back in 2016. Since then now, there are 10 Neapolitan wins and two for Lazio. Napoli continuing the record of scoring at least two goals against Lazio in these last 12 matches. Zaccagni opening very early on. Lovely strike on the right boot to beat Medet before Kim Min-Jae scored his second since arriving in Italy. The ball crossing the line and the technology alerting the referee that it was a goal. Perhaps once upon a time that wouldn't have been ruled a goal. 
Then there was an incident with Lazzari who went down, claiming that Lazio should have had a penalty, an altercation with Mario Rui. There was no penalty awarded and Maurizio Sarri had a fair bit to say about that. The former Napoli boss was outspoken after the game, claiming that either those in the VAR booth are bad at their jobs or the other alternative is very worrying. Serious action needs to be taken by the refereeing hierarchy. That's a huge claim by Sarri who's now been at the helm of Lazio for the last couple of seasons. In all fairness, Napoli were the better of the game. The Azzurri eventually got their winner with half an hour to go. And who else but Kvica Kvaratskeli, the Georgian, putting away his fourth goal of the campaign in just the first five matches. Definitely the find of the Mercato. He's been nicknamed Kvaradona, and people are saying Lorenzo who, to Napoli's credit, Juntili bringing in Kvaratskelia, teaming him up with Oshiman and Lozano. It's been a really good forward line. Leboc has been simply amazing. And what a bench to go to now with Elmas and Politano. Cholito not getting any game time, even though he always seems to find the back of the net against Lazio. Not required. Napoli getting the job done 2-1. Lazio host Verona next, which is Cholito's old side. Napoli face Spezia. An unbelievable Saturday of Serie A. Serie A Sunday didn't disappoint either. And we've got Serie A World Feed commentator with us today, David Windsor, who covered Spezia and Bologna. David, four goals in this one. What did you think? Thanks, David. Yep, I covered Spezia against Bologna for the world feed English language commentary to a piece the full-time score it was a pretty entertaining game the main takeaway has to be Marco Anatovic he scored two goals in the game he's now got five for the Serie A season he's got all five of Bologna's goals in the league so far where they'd be without him that's a bit of a different debate but I just love watching him play. Yeah, it's a wonder a bigger club didn't come in for him in the summer Juventus was linked with him he's got the lot and you wonder He's had a good career and a varied career, but you just wonder if things are broken slightly different for him, how high he could have played at. Indeed, how high he could still play at in terms of the top clubs in, in Italian football or European football because he's strong on either flank. He's got quick feet. He's still got that turn of pace, which we saw from the first goal. Lovely assist from Gary Medell, by the way. He's clean through and slots at home on Altovic. And he's great in the air as well. And you add all that to a very, very impressive work rate these days as well as he's, as he's matured as a footballer. So... Yeah, the man's a beast and Mihalovic perhaps lucky to still have Arnautovic available in his squad. Blonya also losing some other key players like Svanberg, Fiat and Hickey. I've got to say, if you take Marco Arnautovic out of that Bologna side, I think they're going down. It's as simple as that. Across the board, they're really, really poor. Uh, but Marco Arnautovic, if he can score 15, 20 Serie A goals this season, maybe, then I think he'll keep them up. So... For Spezia, they got a couple of goals. The first was Bastoni in effort in stoppage time at the end of the first half to cancel out Arnautovic's opener. And then uh, what can only be described as a calamitous own goal from Jerry Shouten to make it Spezia 2, Bologna 1. This was before Arnautovic scored the equalising goal to make it two apiece. But it really was. If you haven't seen it yet, take a look at it because um, not much fun if you're, uh, if you're a Bologna fan, but pretty hilarious if you're a Spezia fan. Jerry Shouten, who actually had a good game. He's, he's a tidy footballer too, but he just completely lost his bearings as Bastoni pulled in the free kick. And shout and nods the ball into his own net. So pretty ridiculous moment. Spezia 2, Bologna 2. Yeah, just a lapse in concentration there from Jerry Shouten. What a goal from Bastoni. Harrowed in off his left boot from outside the box. Spezia played okay, but how do you see these two going for the remainder of the season? I've got to say, Bologna are going to struggle this season. I think Spezia will be just about okay. Thanks to David Windsor for joining us from the Serie A World Feed commentary team. You can find him at David T. Windsor on Twitter. And just since this game's taken place, there was some conjecture over whether Mihalovic would continue on. The news today is that Sinister Mihalovic has been let go of by Joey Saputo's Bologna after three and a half years. 
His tenure is over. The former Bologna coach did say on the weekend that his conscience is clear amid reports the club would have fired him. He also said in football, there are only sacked coaches and those who will be sacked. So it's transition time for Bologna. Paolo Salza now the favourite to take the job. He was in charge of Fiorentina back in 2017. Since then, he's been sacked by Tanjin Bonjan, Bordeaux, the Polar national team and the Brazilian club Flamengo. He was also spotted in Italy last week attending several Serie A games. Well, we're sorry to see Sinisim Mihailovic be let go of. All the best to our Calcio legend, one of the great players of the league and a coach with a career spanning a couple of decades now. All the best to you, Sinisa, and hope to see you back soon. Some of the other big news on Sunday was Clermont-Aise getting their first Serie A league point in 26 years. Well done to Le Tigre, the Tigers of Cremona. Sassuolo unable to penetrate Radu's goal, who I must say, Radu redeeming himself. He's had a really good start to the season, apart from that one incident against Fiorentina. Pinamonti unable to get on the score sheet. Dionisi won't be thrilled. He didn't look too happy after this game, and he's still yet to really give new signing Alvarez a good run. Next week, Cremonese go away to Atalanta. Sassuolo hosts Udinese, and the Bianconeri, Leze Breta, they are on fire under Andrea Sotil, coming off the back of two really good wins. The 1-0 win over Fiorentina capped off with a 4-0 thrashing of Jose Mourinho's Roma. That took place on Sunday night. Incredible scenes, an incredible scoreline. Destiny Udoji with another goal it was 1-0 at halftime, and then Samadzic was able to fool Rui Patricio with his left foot drive, which took a little touch on the way in. Awkward bounce for the Portuguese goalkeeper. Roma had no answers as Pereira curled one in. Absolutely lovely shot, exquisite into the side netting. That made it 3-0 after 75 minutes. And just when you thought that no more damage could be done to the confidence of the Giallorossi, Lovric, who was brought in as a substitution for Tolge Arslan, got his first goal in Italian football. 4-0 after 82 minutes. Three points for Udinese, and they are currently sitting in the top four. In fact, it's three wins on the trot. They lost on opening day against the defending champion Milan. They then got a draw at home against Salernitana. Not really showing promising signs there. They got that confidence with the away win at Monza that Silvio Berlusconi accused referee Di Bello of being Di Brutto, which is a little dig at the referee, not being beautiful instead of being ugly. Hard fought 1-0 win over Fiorentina after that, after thrashing them 4-0 last season. But that 4-0 win was away at the Franchi. But now it's 4-0 at the Dacia Arena. Big things for Andrea Sotil, who was probably one of the most improved coaches when he was in charge of Ascoli in Serie B. He got them to the playoffs, the top eight. They've got a, a goal difference of plus four, scoring nine and conceding five. That's a better goal difference than Inter. Roma looking lethargic, looking like they just were devoid of ideas. And now they're about to go and play in Europe this week. The defending Conference League champions playing in the Europa League. Gareth Southgate in the stands to at least watch Tammy Abraham, who was very quiet. Also, Chris Smalling, perhaps, was being watched. And the way that, that the Udinese midfield and attack was so organized and the way that they ran through this Roma side, I'm not sure if Gareth Southgate took anything out of that. Perhaps he should have been making a point about Nehuan Perez's defensive style in case England meets Argentina in the World Cup in Qatar. Roma go away to Ludo Goretz and then are away again against Empoli. 
in the next Serie A match. Let's watch out for whoever are playing Udinese next, and that is Sassuolo at the Mape Stadium. Big things for Verona, very small things for Sampdoria. Verona beating the Blue Cercati 2-1. That game also went down on Sunday. In fact, it was Caputo with a wonderful finish to get Sampdoria ahead. And it looked as though it was going to be 1-0 at the break. But then in a matter of three or four minutes, as Verona equalized through an own goal. And then it was Scottish signing 20-year-old Josh Doig. His debut goal in Serie A after joining after signing from Hibernian, Gabriele Choffi's first win in charge of the Giallo Blue. So that'll buy him some more time. He was in charge of Udinese last season. Laying the groundwork for Sotil, perhaps, you could say. Marco Giampaolo, well, what can be said about him? That win bounces Verona up into 13th place. They're now on five points. They've won one and drawn two. Sampdoria, with just the two draws, sit in the bottom three. Meanwhile, Atalanta won 2-0 away at Monza. They're coming through these Atalanta ranks. Rasmus Hoylund, 19 years old. He's from Denmark. He spent last season in the Austrian Bundesliga with Sturm Graz. He started this match for Gasparini's men and scored, and scored thanks to another new signing in Lukman, an assist from him. Musso also denying Caprari from point-blank range since his drive was tipped over. Brianzoli taking the initiative in the first half, in fact, but Hoyland also hit the post from an acute angle. For Atalanta, though, he then got his debut goal thanks to that brilliant ball in from Lukman, who was instrumental in Ladea's second goal as well. He cut back an Edison cross, which deflected off Marlon and in. We're not sure how much longer Giovanni Strop has got in terms of time on the Monza bench as the Elena Torre. Petania and Gikia were thrust in try and save the day but Monza goalless at home and still without a Serie A point but there's always next round and they go away to Lecce in a battle of the newly promoted sides that could be Stropper's saving grace if he's still there by the end of this week for Torino they got a 1-0 win at home over Lecce Voivoda's incisive through ball and Vlasic steering at home on the run that was Toro's first home win of the season Radonjic for Torino looking dangerous Bistrovic for Lecce and Cisse, as dangerous as ever, and Banda looking lively as well. The result takes Torino up into the top six, technically equal fourth alongside Udinese and Roma. Lecce down to 17th spot on two points. They managed two draws in a row, the third defeat of the season. Salenitana and Empoli, they drew 2-2. The first Serie A goal for Satriano with a header, a stunning blind cross in from Henderson. But was it Mesocchi? No, it's Mazzocchi for Salenitana with his weaving run into the box. And what a fantastic finish under Vicario for 1-1. The left wing back beat five players in the lead up. What a memorable debut goal in the league for Mazzocchi. And there was a weird and wonderful goal in this game as well. Back in 2017, Fortuna Dusseldorf goalie Raphael Wolf showed his bravery with a save from close range, stopping the ball with his Cazzo. in the win over Armenia Bielefeld. Fast forward five years, Diaz goal to put Salernitana ahead against Ampoli. That was caressed in off the old... Minka. Thus rivaling Brighton's Glenn Murray, who scored with... The him male <gasps> Zenitalia. ...in 2019. Piatek then tested Vicario when he came on, and Sam Lammers helping Ampoli steal a point with his deflected strike. That was his first top-flight goal in two years. 
Now these two, they're looking okay after five rounds. Empoli in 16th, Salernitana in 10th. Salernitana are now four games undefeated. So are Empoli. Next up is a tough trip away to Turin to face Juventus for Salernitana. Empoli have a Monday night match against Roma. So the way things stand in the top scorers list in Serie A, it's Marco Arnautovic outright on five goals. He leads. Then it's a mixture of Kvica Kvaratskelia for Napoli, Teon Kupminers for Atalanta and Dusan Vlaovic for Juventus, all with four goals. While it was match day five of Serie A, we saw match day four play out in Serie B, also known as Serie A. Due Cagliari beat Modena 1-0. Ascoli drew with Cittadella 0-0. Bari and Spal drew 2-2. Brescia, they beat Perugia at home. It was a 2-1 win for La Leonessa Frosinone with a 2-0 win over Como. Regina 3, Palermo 0. Big statement from Pippo there. Super Pippo, that is. Ternana and Cosenza drew 1-1. Venezia lost at home to Benevento 2-0. The game of the round, Genoa 3, Parma 3. And Sultirol with their first point in Serie B. Congratulations to them. The team from Bolzano, they beat Pisa 2-1. Let's take a look at the Serie B standings. Four games played so far. Regina, Frosinone and Brescia all with nine points. Ascoli on eight. That rounds at the top four. Genoa on eight. In fifth, then it's Benevento and Cosenza that round out the playoff places. Down the bottom, it's Como, Pisa and Perugia in the relegation zone. Sudirol with that win, they bounce up to 17th into the playout zone with Modena on three. The top scorers in the Italian second division, Cedric Gondo for Ascoli. He leads outright with four goals. Then it's Kedira, Antenucci, Lamantia, Favilli all on three. So it was match day five in Serie A, match day four in Serie B, and the first match day in Lega Pro Serie C. The Italian third division is underway. Let's take you through a few of those games. In Girone A Group A, it was Vicenza 6, Processo 1. Processo led 1-0 at the Stadio Romeo Menti through Bruschi, but Franco Ferrari equalized, and it was 1-1 at the break. He's Argentinian, 27 years old, 18 goals for Pescara last season. Vicenza pumped in four goals in 24 minutes in the second half and then one at the death to ensure that it was an even longer trip home for Processo back to Milan. Ferrari was the only multiple scorer in that mid-afternoon kickoff. There were eight winners across that group in Girone A, including SG City Nova, Pordenone back from Serie B, Pergoletese, Ferrapi Salò, Novara and Juventus under 23, Padova, who made the playoff final and lost to Palermo last season. They lost to Provecelli on match day one. Let's go to Girone B. Seven more winners in this group, the biggest margin being just a 2-0 victory for Gubbio over Montevarchi. So plenty of close encounters here. Girone B is that midsection of Italy. Notably here, Alessandria, who came down from Serie B. They went down to Imolese, courtesy of a Stiepovic penalty. Imolese were down to 10 men before actually being awarded that penalty, that rigore. Two red cards overall for Alessandria, both coming after that goal. Olbia, Entella, Cararese, Fiorenzuola and Reggiana also got wins. Reggiana thanks to a Lanini brace. He got 15 goals last season. Let's go to the Southern Girone, which is Group C. If you want goals, then this is the one to watch. 33 in total over the weekend. Catanzaro thumped Picerno at home 4-0. Catanzaro perhaps the favorite to go up from this group. It was a Rocco Costantino hat-trick for Monterosi. 
who earned them a 3-0 win against Audace Cerignola. Crotone got their campaign off to a good start after coming down from the second division, beating Messina away 4-2. They're showing that they still have enough of their Serie B squad to get promoted again. Messina's strike force is led by Keita Balde's brother, Iburahima Balde. So some names to watch out for there. Ernesto Starita scored a double for Monopoly against Taranto in a 4-0 win. Latina, Juve Stabia, Giuliano and Pescara also victorious on the first match day. The goal of Serie C Lega Pro on match day one was Daniele Altobelli's Rovesciata for Juve Stabia against Gelbison, an overhead kick which went in off the post. We've retweeted that one too on the Lega Football Twitter profile. And no, he's not related to Alessandro Altobelli, World Cup winner of 1982, unfortunately for Italy and Inter fans in general out there. And that's all we've got time for on the Lega Football Podcast for the Match Day 5 breakdown and roundup. Special thanks going out to the guys from Calcio Connection, Alex and Jerry. Also, grazie mille to David Windsor, who is one of the commentators from our World Feed commentary team. And please do support us if you can. All it is is a simple click here or there, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or some feedback on the Apple platform or Spotify. Every bit helps and helps to spread the word of Italian football to all the other podcasters out there that are broadcasting calcio and promoting it. Well done. Keep it going. Also, condolences to the trio from the Italian football podcast. That's Carlo Nima and John. They're all in mourning over their team's performances with Juventus, Inter and Roma. Thanks for joining me. I'm David Farini, your Lega Football podcast host, Serie A, Serie B and general football commentator. There won't be a show towards the end of this week. I'm off to commentate some beach soccer in Cagliari in Sardinia. So we'll probably repost some stuff to the Lega Twitter feed there. I'll also be covering Napoli's Champions League game against Liverpool. That'll be for Flash Score. But we cannot wait for the weekend's Serie A football round to start again. What will the reactions be? Simone Inzaghi now. The pressure is upon him. Gasperini, Spalletti and Pioli all doing a good job, as is Andrea Sotil. That must be mentioned. And even Davide Nicola with Salernitana. And that's it. That's a wrap. This is Lego Football.